Thank you for joining us. This is Paul Wilson. And Chris Hemke. And you're listening to the Diesel Performance Podcast. Uh, guys, we got a lot of cool stuff to talk about today. I'm really excited to dive into the content. But Chris, why don't you hit me with what's been going on at Duramax Tuner this week? Well, I mean, we've uh, beat the dead horse, kind of letting all the listeners in on, you know, where we're at with the L5P stuff. And now it's given us some time to kind of circle back and uh, invest a little bit more time into the Cummins side of things. So there's a 6.7 turbo that's going to be on the horizons here shortly. We've been using my 15 as uh, kind of a test truck for that. So um, we just put an updated tune file in it here a couple days back and getting a couple miles on it. And uh, it's just crazy. You know, you, you have a truck that's tuned for so long, and then you do a simple little upgrade to the vehicle, and you get an updated tune. And that can completely change the overall dynamic of, what you experienced that truck to, to drive like prior. So it was, uh, you know, I don't know. It's one of those things where uh, upgrades, even for myself, get exciting from time to time. And, uh, you know, it's we're excited to get that turbocharger rolling out. So, you know, I would say what's new at the shop is that turbo is going to be uh, being released here shortly. You know, Chris, one of the things that I think is really cool about doing the podcast um and working on the, the the more the marketing side of of calibrated power and Duramax tuner is how we always seem to let slip all of our secret information about new product development on the podcast. Yeah. This won't get brought up in a blog. This won't get brought up on the Facebook page probably for months. I know Chris says like soon. It's definitely soon. But looking at product yeah. launch timelines, it's, it's more than thirty days. I would say is very reasonable. Um, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but but it, it it is here where you guys get to hear about it first. So so guys, if you if you want your friends to also being in on getting the newest information, finding out what's happening in the diesel performance community the earliest possible, uh, this is a really good show to refer them to, and I would I would ask that you please do so. Um, yeah, one of the ways you can do that is even just invite them over to our fans of diesel performance podcast facebook group and that's a really easy place for somebody to come in kind of meet some of the the fans of the show and people who enjoy the show it's a really great community of guys who do just want to help out as crazy as that sounds so if you have a question nobody's going to jump on and attack you and call you a newbie or tell you to search people are just going to come on they're going to be very polite they're going to answer your questions and that's kind of the same culture that's going on over at the diesel i'm sorry Canadian Diesel Community Facebook page. I got it right this week. Great job, me. Uh, it's still messed up. You still you still had to redo it. No, it's good enough. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> like a true American, they reward right? Second, that you're in your family. Well, so that's good. Yeah, check. Um, so so <laughs> <laughs> so. Anyways, uh, we're really excited. Those are two great places. Hey, if you're north of the border, check out Canadian Diesel Community. Uh, if you're anywhere in the world. Please jump on fans of Diesel Performance Podcast. Chris, you know, I watch every week. We get a weird amount of international downloads. Uh, hey, fans yeah. out in Australia, New Zealand, we love you guys. Fans up in Canada, we love you guys. But I see some some crazy countries. Now, this might just be VPNs and, and things of that nature, just bouncing addresses around. But, guys, if you are from uh, any country you might not expect we might not expect you to be from please shoot me a message or jump on fans of diesel performance podcast i know i had a, a really nice guy out i want to say in the uk reach out to me a, a few months ago and it was just so cool to hear you know it's one of those things i think i commonly forget that that we have a pretty substantial amount of international listeners yeah that's uh that gave me the chills as you were saying it. you know i don't think about it like that so that's <laughs> That's awesome that people all over the world take the time to listen to you and I. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's cool. Uh, it's 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 humbling, guys. We really appreciate it. We love doing the show. Yeah. We, we love all of you listeners out there. And that's why we put together such a killer show for you guys this week. Uh, we are going to have on Randy Harkema from Exergy Performance. He's going to teach – listen, we've already recorded the interview, so you guys are going to be hearing it here. He teaches us so much that we don't know about diesel fuel additive, and Chris and I are not exactly newbies to this industry. Yeah. It was, uh, the, the content was, was definitely informative. I learned a lot from it, and uh, I'm not going to lie. It, it gave me a little bit more belief and a little bit more of a clearer vision of the importance of a good additive. So we'll, we'll dive into that when we get to that part of the show with the interview. But uh, it's a really, really good one, guys. Absolutely. Also, guys, today we're going to talk again with Super Tech Jeremy Garnett from Duramax Tuner. Uh, he is going to be talking about a VVT turbo diagnostic and uh, removal and replacement. So he got into to a really, really good job on an LLY that I think demonstrates a lot of the common frustrations you will have with your LLY VVT turbocharger at home. Um, so I think this is going to be a really fun one. And then, hey, guys, at the very bottom of the show, if you haven't noticed yet, we're starting to add our knowledge base articles. That's knowledge base is from DuramaxTuner.com. Uh, it's a great place that just has instructions, how-tos, resources, videos, wh- whatever you need to help you install your tunes, install your turbo, get things right, check error codes, all sorts of cool stuff like that. So today, I'm actually going to be bringing you the top three EFI Live error codes uh, and then some potential solutions for those. So I'm really excited for today's show. Uh, but Chris, let's not let it go too far before we hear a word from our awesome sponsors. Specialty Tool of the Week. The XDP Whiff Wrench XD128 is a must-have for any GM Duramax owner. It makes removing and replacing your factory water and fuel sensor a breeze. The XDP Whiff Wrench is specifically designed for the 12-sided plastic water and fuel sensor that is easily damaged by other tools like pliers and vice grips. As an added bonus, the opposite side of the wrench is slotted to remove the plastic air bleeder screw with ease, preventing possibly rounding off the screw head. It is precision machined 12-sided wrench that perfectly fits your water and fuel sensor. It's made out of high quality T6061 aluminum. It's black anodized finished with an engraved XDP logo and the bleeder screwdriver on the opposite end. And of course, my favorite part, it's all made in the USA. You guys know today's other sponsor is Exergy Performance, and today we're talking about their winter winter blend fuel additive. Now this is SKU numbers E09 00014 and also 00016. Uh, it depends on what size bottle you want. This supports all diesel vehicles. So if you're listening to the show, you presumably will want to perk up here and go grab yourself some of this stuff. Chris and I are right now underway on doing some testing with it ourselves. Exergy Performance Diesel Additive Winter Blend provides the ultimate in protection and longevity for the diesel injectors and fuel pumps by increasing the fuel's lubricity to exceed the recommendations of the Engines Manufacturers Association and provides exceptional protection against corrosion. The Winter Blend chemically alters diesel fuel to ensure engines remain operable in freezing climates by reducing paraffin wax precipitation. Cold starts, fuel economy, and power are also improved by increasing the diesel fuel's cetane by up to five points and cleaning internal components. 
Also, uh, we always want to give our shout out to another one of our sponsors is WC Fab. That's Worley Custom Fabrication. Today we're talking about their 2017 to 2019 L5P Duramax 4-inch intake kit with airbox. Uh, This is WCF100344. The WC Fab 2017 to 2019 GM L5P 6.6 liter Duramax 4 inch intake kit and airbox is the high flow fabricated aluminum intake pipe and airbox enclosure with dry filter assembly that replaces the restrictive plastic factory parts on your diesel. This will improve your overall engine performance. This all-new design significantly increases airflow to your turbo, producing improved horsepower and torque, quicker throttle response, and cooler intake temperatures by drawing cold air through the ram air duct and inner fender. Their all-aluminum construction features a large diameter 4-inch piping with smooth aerodynamic bends to improve intake air velocity, volume, and provide more aggressive engine and turbo sound during acceleration. High-quality hardware, silicone boot, seals, and stainless steel T-bolt clamps enclosures are optimum for durability with ease of installation. The removable airbox lid allows for easy visual inspection and maintenance of your WC Fab filter with included hydrophobic pre-filter cover. This will help keep your MAF sensor, turbo, and engine airways contaminant-free. The critical ram air duct seal has been moved to the bottom of the hood for a clean engine compartment appearance. Full assembly finished in your choice of WC Fab signature custom powder coat colors for a look that's unique to your truck. This installs easily with basic hand tools, does not require any additional tuning, and is completely bolt-on, and it'll fit with no other required modifications. It is not compatible with the WC Fab intake resonator pipe. All right, man. Uh, yeah, again, huge shout out to XDP for joining us uh, as, as an official sponsor of Diesel Performance Podcast, Exergy Performance, and WC Fab, uh, along with Duramax Tuner and Calibrated Power. Guys, we love you. These guys make the show possible uh, for all of you listeners to to hear it. So if you enjoy the show, please reach out to them on Facebook. Let them know that, that you heard us talking about them, uh, and maybe they will continue to be a sponsor. That'd be great. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um. Chris, this is today's interview is one of those that I think we did more prep for than normal, um, and and I say that because it started as a, a ten page script and we cut it down to a one page outline, and and I just I can't say enough about how we had to dumb down the smartest guy we know to to get this information distilled to where I understood it but I learned so much doing this interview. Yeah, I mean, you think about it, you think about diesel trucks and and diesel owners, rather, and then you think about, like, where we're at in the Midwest. Like, diesel additive, especially winter additive, is something that is is kind of a second nature. You know, not having diesel fuel gel and running additives to help combat some of that. So it's, it's crazy that, you know, as long as I've ever owned a diesel, knowing about additive, but then realizing what little I actually knew about it. Um, and, and Randy Hartema over at Exergy Performance, I mean, hands down, one of the top three, I would say, most intelligent individuals. And uh, he has a way to articulate information out of his very high standard of intelligence down to someone such as you and I who, 
you know, I can understand to some degree what he's talking about. I don't have to look at him like I'm staring at a fucking wall. So <laughs> it's, uh, like I said, I learned a lot from it. It was probably one of my more favorable uh, interviews that we have done because I love to learn, especially something that we're around constantly. So yeah. I think without further ado, uh, we should kick it over to, uh, to that interview. Randy Harkama, how the hell are you? <laughs> You're not too bad. How about yourself? I'm doing great, man. It's cold. It's cold <laughs> here. What's the temperature? What's it like by you, Randy? Uh, it was uh, just a little bit above 10, I think uh, about 12 degrees this morning as I uh, came to work. All right. Well, yeah, we're not where Randy is, right, where XRG is and where we're at. We're not very far away, so I'm sure we have some of the same type of weather, but that's what it was like here. Yeah, so yeah, that it's Midwest. It's struggle bus, man. It's, it's tough right now. <laughs> That Midwest winter, and, and that's really what inspired us to have you on today, Randy, is that Midwest weather and dealing with cold weather and all of the things that that brings up with our with our diesels that, like, yeah. Chris and I drive. Guys, we know we've been alluding to it for a while. We've done some testing with the Exergy fuel additive. But when this came up, we sat down and we said, like, hey, Chris, how much do you know about fuel additive? Yeah, nothing. And And – I, we all know I don't know shit. So, True. So, <laughs> so we thought we would have the smartest guy we know come on and talk a little bit about fuel additive. Um, I think on the show I may have been previously quoted as saying it's mostly snake oil. Um, Many times. I, I think, I think Randy, you might fall on the side that, that you really believe in the science behind fuel additive, or at least high-quality fuel additive. Yeah, correct. Uh, not a question about that. Yep. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, well, let's let's dive right in at the top. Um, Randy, tell us how you got your start in diesel performance. So back on the farm, we had an underground storage tank, and uh, it had a hand crank on it. And in order to fill all the equipment, uh, the way my uncles, my grandpa, and everybody uh, ran things, they'd park tractors uh, around that pump, and it was the little kids, so mine as I was growing up, job then to fill them up, crank uh, all that fuel up out of the tank into the tractors. And uh, that took hours, especially if they backed the combine up. Anyway, so one day, uh, my actually great-grandpa pulls up in a pickup and told me to fill it up. And I said, you, you're, you, know, you sure about this? I kind of thought the guy had lost his mind a little bit. Um, it was a 5.7. It was a 1979 and that was, I think, well, about the first time that uh, a diesel engine had put in a full-size pickup. So from there, I thought, well, that's odd, and I uh, kind of followed along. Of course, that engine had a torrid history, but uh, when it ran, I believe they were getting like mid-20s for mileage at the time, which was you know, absolutely phenomenal for a full-size, full-size pickup. Anyway, that was the beginning of the story. <laughs> Obviously, you have some experience with developing some some fuel additive, but I want to just kind of talk in general. Um, what testing can you do on on fuel additive besides throwing it in my tank and saying, "Okay, drive the same as you did last week"? All right, there are several different tests uh, that that can be done, and uh, it all kind of depends on how many features you're trying to work into your additive. Uh, as we went into developing this one, our main goal was trying to come up with an additive that was going to make the fuel system last longer. 
to do that, it was going to need to address uh, quite a few different things. And the one that we concentrated on the most uh, was diversity. Okay. And I would, I would say uh, of anyone that we could have on the show, Randy has a leg to stand on being owner of Exergy Performance, right? So they, they have injectors, modified injectors. We've been using them for years. So you want a product that's going to help make those injectors live and last longer. Yeah. Right? So um, now when you guys started actually getting into this into this testing, um, you guys have all the test benches. You guys get injectors that guys have ran in trucks from, you know, for a few years, miles, so on and so forth. So what, what, what does that look like, right? When you're in the lab and you're, you're putting this formula together, how do you go into a, a controlled testing environment? What, what does that look like? We get that question uh, fairly often, maybe from a different perspective, and that is people ask, how many miles will my fuel system last now that it has an additive? Right. And to actually answer that question, uh, we'd have to run essentially a clone of that truck in the exact same uh, application, in other words, whatever it was doing, whether that's uh, daily driving, towing, what have you, uh, fuel at the same stations, uh, and we'd have to have six of those. We'd have to do three with additive, three without, and basically run all of them to the end of their life uh, to, to start to be able to estimate, okay, your fuel system will last X number of miles longer. Wait a minute. Can I just, just recap that? Can I just recap that, test? All you need yeah. is just you need. just six identical trucks, and then to randomly select three of them and not let the drivers know, and always use additive on every single fill-up for the entire life of the truck. So I don't know, two hundred and fifty to five hundred thousand miles, um, and then and then two trucks just have to go do the exact same job every single day. So every single mile two of them go at a time so it just sounds like we need three sets of best friends i don't get it what's the problem i'm just joking of course that that that, that is yeah. what what randomized testing looks like like if people want that real world application like you said it's it's just not practical there's no way that we're going that anybody would be able to put that together what can you do Correct. to kind of help you know that hey like this is an additive that is going to help with longevity even if it's not that perfect you know, here's how many more miles additive will help with. Like, how do you know your your additive is going to help with longevity at all? Correct. So to try to measure lubricity, there's been tests, standardized tests that have been developed. Um, the idea is then uh, anyone can uh, com- have somewhat of an apples-to-apples comparison uh, between additives and, uh, you know, from today to five years from now and, and have something that they compare can compare against. So it's a controlled test. It's done in a lab. Uh, you ideally need to run, if you're going to do a comparison, you need to start with the same base stock for that whole comparison. And then the apples to apples is only valid for that uh, run, that uh, amount of fuel that you bought for that base stock. Uh, change the base stock. Um, the whole relative comparison is going to change again. So it's, it's not easy, but that's about as close as we can get at the moment. Okay. So there, there's definitely no secret that the, the quality of fuel over the years has definitely dropped, okay, with the, uh, with the additives and things that, you know, the, the, the oil companies do add into the fuel. 
what what would you say to someone that you know questions? Well, I can just run uh, ATF or two-stroke oil to add lubricity to the existing fuel compared to additive that you would buy off the shelf. All right, uh, we've we've tested uh, both of those actually, uh, and in regard to lubricity, because uh, yeah, they're both oil-based. So the idea there is that by adding them, you're you're going to add some lubricity. Uh, it turns out that uh, two-stroke, um, and, and the rough ratio that we uh, chose was about a quart to an average tank. And that came out to be about um, one to 200 parts, I believe. And um, what we found is that uh, two-stroke, yeah, you got a little bit of an in, uh, increase in lubricity, not much. ATF actually did an, uh, a respectable job, I'll say, of... Uh, in that uh, it made a significant uh, improvement in the lubricity of the fuel. However, uh, a quality additive uh, was significantly less, or had significantly better, I'll say, uh, scores than that. So long story short, you you could put those in, and uh, especially with ATF, you you probably will make an improvement in lubricity, but then that's all you're doing. You're not treating the other aspects of... uh, some of the deficiencies that are in diesel fuel that's ready for sale. Okay. I love I love the first guy who put transmission fluid in his in his tank. Probably was an LV7 owner, <laughs> had white smoke out the tailpipe. I mean, it was you. It was it was a, mm-hmm. a 98 and a half Cummins, I, I, 100% those, with an S300 that's like I want to get 30 miles to the I've gallon. I've never ever done that, but it's it's definitely the LV7 guy. It's definitely the LV7 guy. What what I, I just I always love the first guy to try it. Like the two stroke oil, I almost get it. I almost get it yep. because if you're pre emissions and you're like, well, I don't I don't give a shit. No. Like run it. Uh, <laughs> well, the, I could let, see the logic to get you there. Let, but let, the transmission fluid did it start as a mistake? But here's the thing though the these guys that are adding those lubri- lubricants, okay, like yeah, not this is a different clientele, different person than someone that believes in additives. But these are guys adding these into the fuel system after the injectors already have 150, 200 rounds. Yes. They're trying to Band-Aid or okay. get the injector to last a little longer. I dig it. Um, where additive isn't isn't going to Band-Aid that, right? It's just it's not. But the idea from what I'm gathering so far is is it's, it's, a, it's a cheap insurance to add to the fuel to help with lubricity, help with uh, boosting cetane ratings, and just help overall with the impurities of what fuel you have access to today all right well we're gonna dig in because i right. i i know all the words you used chris but i don't yeah. know if i have a great handle on what all those things actually are in yeah, the real no, you're world right, you're right. uh first thing i wanted to hit you on though randy lubricity okay we're, we're talking about lubricity i understand high quality additive is it sounds like it's well going to outpace any atf or or two-stroke oil that guys are going to diy into their tank i love that correct why do I care about lubricity? Yep. Is lubricity just mean that that my injectors are going to have less wear and tear on them because I'm running additive? Basically, yes. Uh, the idea is that uh, with increased lubricity, it's just like having uh, essentially a better oil in your engine. Uh, the diesel fuel system components need lubricity to stay alive. Uh, as we were talking about earlier, over the years, the amount of lubricity in the fuel has decreased. Um, so we need to ideally put that uh, back in somehow. And in addition to that, uh, the latest uh, common rail fuel systems are even higher pressure um, than 
obviously the mechanical ones and even you know the earlier common rails uh, they, they keep going up in pressure uh, well to, to generate that pressure to hold that pressure to be able to switch that pressure on and off for an injection event all uh, takes higher contact uh, uh, stress slash forces uh, on the internal components so lubricity gets uh, even more important it becomes a higher um, uh, sensitivity uh, the, the components are high, more highly sensitive to reduce lubricity than they were before okay okay i get that i think i understand that yeah you with That's it chris a, i'm about so, it yeah i'm yeah. right there all right so yeah so more lubricity less wear on those uh, parts um even the uh, you know parts that are just doing the switching uh, like uh, the valves and the valve seats um we see on the uh, good use injector mods that we do for example um We'll see injectors with 120,000 miles on them. They look really good yet. And um, we'll, you know, typically we can't work with a set that high because uh, typically it's just too far gone. It's not worth putting the money into. Every now and then one will come along where a guy really wants to give us uh, wants us to give it a try. So we do the baseline testing. Sure enough, uh, they test really good. And um, we'll call them back and say, hey, you know, you, you won the lottery today. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> And he'll say, yeah, yeah, you know, I've been using such and such since I bought the truck. And I'm, oh, okay, all right. That's, we can see that. It makes sense. The, the deposits are down, the wear and tear is down. It seem to go together. You know, I kind of like that approach of saying, like, hey, we've been around injectors, injector repairs, injector rebuilds for the history of the company. Um, and, and there seems to be this continuing theme of like, hey, guys who are using high-quality additive are having better results yeah. when we're going to baseline these. And then you said, okay, well, let's take a scientific approach to figuring out what's a really great additive. Now, Chris, we deal with a lot of testing over here at Duramax Tuner. Right. Um, L5P Turbo, I know, I know we've been telling people we've been testing for two years. Honestly, we've been making media for two years, which means testing is probably legit been three, maybe three and a half years that we've been working on that turbocharger. Yeah. Um, it's been through an unnumbered amount of revisions to get it into a final production stage. Right. So, so we, Chris and I have this like behind the scenes kind of understanding of what this looks like in your experience. How many different compounds do you guys go through and test? Because with a turbo, it's more about like, well, we have the idea, let's shave this part this way or, or manipulate this that way. But with chemicals, I don't know. I just imagine like, like the Mad Hatter mixing potions, yeah, right? Yeah. right? It's like, it's like uh, they give it a pinch more salt, you know? <laughs> yeah, uh, a little bit of history. So we started actually about five years ago, and that, that was kind of born out of uh, people calling and asking, okay, what do you recommend? And, oh, we really haven't looked into this to give a, an honest, um, yet yeah, we know this to be the best uh, type of uh, uh, an- uh, answer, our recommendation. And so we started looking into it and tried to find companies that had uh, published results. Um, had, had, and if they weren't published, okay, we'd call them and say, hey, you know, can you give us the data and whatnot? And they'd say, no, no we, not available. Um, or really haven't done it. Um, so it, it kind of bumped along for a while in that uh, we weren't having success finding someone to really recommend um and we we were thinking too okay given the number of inquiries we were getting if we did find someone that uh, kind of checked all the boxes we'd rebrand what they had but um after about two years of that uh, we 
kind of gave up and said, okay, we're going to do our own. So it started about three years ago in earnest. Um, we're mechanical engineers here. Uh, we do work with fuel systems every day, uh, but we're not chemists. Uh, of course, we've, we've had enough chemistry to be able to communicate with chemists, but that's not our mainstay. <laughs> so so we, we did uh, partner up with uh, a chemist um, and also a tribologist. That's somebody that uh, studies the effects of uh, lubrication and friction and, and the relative wear of surfaces. And uh, started with uh, components, I'll say chemical components, that were available uh, to use. And as we uh, ran off different tests and tried to compare ourselves against other additives, uh, we, we couldn't get it to where, okay, we had something that addressed all these areas and still had the best diversity uh, available. And what we wound up having to do after quite a few iterations, because, okay, you, you try one, that didn't quite work. Well, maybe if we change up the, the mixture rate, we put more of uh, the component that added the lubricity in it, maybe we'll get there with that. And that wouldn't work. And, and okay, maybe we, we did hit our uh, excuse me, <clears throat> target, but the uh, cost got too high. So let me have to back back up again. Now, anyway, through all of this, we wound up having to um, find chemicals to work with that um, weren't available on the uh, for blending, uh, at least when we started. Uh, we kind of came, there were new releases as the uh, process went along. So long story short, um, what we came up with in the end is unique to uh, the Exergy additive. It, it's not a rebrand. Uh, contains uh, something that wasn't available uh, three years ago. So it's it's you know, a modern updated um, product. It's not a rehash of what's been out there before. Is it tiger uh, blood? One of the why you it, have to tell us if why? it's tiger's blood. No, no Charlie Sheen. <laughs> no. no Charlie Sheen fans. No? So how many how many versions would you say before before you were able to put you know uh, a ship it send it formula together? How many formulas do you think you guys went through? I you know what I I didn't keep track after. Okay, <laughs> we, we thought it was going to be really easy to be honest. And uh, after, like, the first eight months, that uh, oh, okay, this, this isn't going to be easy. But we uh, kind of kept at it, and uh, you get to a point where, okay, it's, it's just kind of uh, frustrating, and you try not to think about where how many you've tried. So, honestly, <laughs> I lost track. I don't know. So You have to go back and, and add it up. Okay. <laughs> so now, you know, we've, we've kind of gone through the back end of the project, you know, who you had a group in for something like this, um, experts in certain fields. We, again, know your, uh, your expertise in your field. What does this additive do? We've talked about the lubricity. With today's standards in fuel, you know, fuel seems to be a little bit more watered down. Uh, we run, you know, different types of lift pumps to help keep water out of the system. Does additive help with water separation or corrosion protection in, 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 in the fuel itself? Yeah, uh, not all additives do, but uh, yes, ours does. There's a, there's a couple other ones on the market that uh, address it as well. Um, but uh, yes, uh, this additive uh, has a component in it that uh, helps uh, facilitate the separation of water. Okay. Wait, 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 wait. How, how much water is in fuel? Because I've, I've seen water sit on top of fuel that it separates from each other. So how much water is in your diesel fuel? I mean, it depends on where you go and the quality of that station, I would assume. 
Randy, do, it, the, do the it, rates it, vary widely? Is is it a pretty narrow window of what's what's allotted in the U.S.? To be honest, I'd have to go back and look at some studies to be able to answer that question completely. Um, I can say that it's uh, more prevalent now than it has been in the past um, due to a couple different factors, uh, one being the uh, ultra-low uh, sulfur uh, standard. I know it's been around for a decade, but in order to achieve that, there's a, there's a water treatment of the uh, fuel to strip that sulfur out, and it's quite possible uh, that some of it can get left in uh, the, the fuel. Uh, also, through the distribution network, uh, pipelines, trucks, things like that, uh, they carry more than just diesel fuel. Uh, they uh, carry lots of other components. Um, they sometimes have a high water content. That gets left behind. Uh, the blending of biodiesel into the uh, standard uh, diesel that's ready for sale. Uh, biodiesel has uh, a little bit more propensity than diesel itself to absorb water. Uh, so all of it leads to a, a higher water risk than uh, in the past. Uh, the exact percent that you'd find uh, typically in a uh, ready-to-sell diesel fuel, I, I don't have that number off the top of my head. Sure. So, so, t- so Tesla gets self-driving cars and diesel trucks get more water in the fuel. Oh, awesome. Thanks. So with the additive, right? So I, I personally try to, I have a couple local stations to me where they actually sell straight number two. They don't actually sell biodiesel. I no drive, bio blend? No bio blend. I drive out of my way to this, Bro, to, to that's this station. Rare. Um, the <laughs> yeah. additive is going to be more productive than what it would be if I was getting pump diesel from a bio station or a, a bio tank, correct? More productive. Uh, it it it's it, uh, that might have been the the, the wrong term, um, but it's it, the effect of the additive is going to be based off of the quality of fuel to start with. If I'm working with a better correct. quality of fuel, the additive is going to be that much better for the vehicle. Interesting. I like that. It, it'll get the uh, fuel to an overall higher level uh, or higher quality. Yes. Okay. Yeah. N- n- yep. No question about that. And, okay. and you're right. Uh, you kind of stepped on a uh, another topic, and that is um, the effect of any uh, additive is uh, a bit dependent on the base crude that the fuel was uh, made from. Um, so. To be honest, it, the, the better the crude that it, it was made from, the less gain you'll get from the additive. Uh, in other words, there just isn't that much space left. Um, the fuel that's uh, made very poor, well, I shouldn't say very poorly, uh, with less quality, so it comes from a lower grade of crude, um, will have uh, a bigger increase in, in all of these areas uh, once you add an additive to it. I get that. Okay. Okay, so there's a ceiling. Okay, it, it's it's not a magic cure-all, right? Fuel additive, yeah. um, it, it will it will optimize what you have. So so if you start off with better grade fuel, sure sure you're going to get to that that ceiling quicker, right? Yep. So so it won't be as dramatic of a difference from before and after. But if you start off That's and you're correct. running you're running crap fuel, like I probably am, um, th- then yeah, th- then then cheap's y- never to good. Get Paul. to that. <laughs> Yep. Never mind. We're going to pass on Correct. that joke, Chris. Yeah. Okay. Um, 
So, so yeah, so I, I got you. Okay, so so the difference of where you started, where, where your baseline is, and where the ceiling is, is just a bigger game. Yeah. I like that. Okay, that makes sense to so me. So, I, I got to, as we're talking about all this, everything that we've been discussing is based off of longe- longevity, lubricity. What, what am I expecting here? Can we see gains in power? Like, is there anything that we can actually see improve power-wise? You know, Chris, you hit on this earlier. You said cetane, and, and I, I'm going to be honest listeners i've thrown cetane around as though i know what it is yeah but it, it's just magic juice that they put in into stuff i you think I, so i have no idea what cetane well is. let's have randy have fact no check you on this clue. how about that <laughs> randy randy can you break it down for us okay sure so cetane is actually the measure uh, i could get into the test of how it's measured but it's it's a measure of how well the fuel spontaneously combusts. okay uh, the, the higher the cetane the easier the fuel spontaneously combusts. And by spontaneous, I guess what I'm saying there is, uh, in the case of a diesel, when the uh, temperatures inside the combustion chamber rise because of the compression, uh, a higher cetane will light off quicker than the lower cetane. So kind of like octane and gasoline, essentially. Same effect. Uh, pardon? I'm sorry, did you? Like, uh, it'd be like comparing like different uh, fuel octanes, like in, in gasoline. You know, 89 versus 91, some degree. At least that's how it's registering in my head. Okay, you're you're on the right track, but you got to flip it around. Okay. In that um, uh, octane, the higher the octane, actually the less uh, likely it is to spontaneously combust. Okay. okay. Stability. Stability. Right? Okay. Yeah. okay. 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 Combustion Makes stability. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. In a gas in gasoline engine, you want the combustion event to begin with your spark plug and not with uh, spontaneous combustion. So as compression ratios go up, as boost levels go up, you need higher octane to keep that from happening. Okay. 10-4. I'm yep. on the same page. God, you sound foolish, Chris. <laughs> it was a good question. <laughs> it was it was legit a good question. You didn't know. I had no idea. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cool. Okay. <laughs> So in a controlled in a controlled test, you know, where I'm, I'm going to imagine here that additive is going to help aid higher cetane levels, that will equivalent into potentially more power. Potentially, yes. Uh, that being said, uh, do you usually see a power gain with it? I can't say that uh, we've done a test. On a dyno where you could see, I mean, in theory, yes, but I think the, the amount is so small that you probably aren't going to be able to measure it, is okay. what I'm trying to say. Um, will it help cold starts? Yes. Will it help the engine run smoother uh, You know, when it's cold? Yes. Um, will it help the fuel burn more completely? Yes. Um, to say, yeah, you're going to get a measurable, uh, whether that's on a dyno or with the, with the other dyno that everyone's equipped with, uh, I don't think you're going to see it, no. Okay, Okay. That that's interesting to me because you're describing a more efficient fuel burn um, by by increasing your cetane rating. Uh, but, but, yeah, okay, I get it. It's not You're not actually increasing fuel quantity or air quantity, right. so you're probably not going to come out in more horsepower. You're gaining overall it's efficiency of the fuel burning in the cylinder. Like that. So what does it do for, like, emissions then? I mean, let, let's talk about, like, a DPF-equipped yeah, well, truck. Well, that, that's a good question, Chris, because you're—and we'll get a little bit more into our personal results, but but your, your Volkswagen, no emissions, EGR, right. but, like, right. no DPF. And my uh, my BMW, DPF, EGR, DAF, the works— um, 
Yeah, I, I, I think we, we well both. Too. Yeah, yeah, and we'll and we'll give you guys a little taste yeah. of this. Both had really good luck with cold starts. Yeah. In fact, such good luck that I was thinking, if I triple my fuel additive dose, I probably won't even need glow plugs. Wow. Okay. Uh, right, Randy. <laughs> you sound like yeah, a fool. Uh, well, Paul. <laughs> perhaps every every engine is going to be a little different, but uh, <laughs> yeah. it should improve the the mm, ease of cold start. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and listeners, I'm just joking. Please don't put in triple the amount of additive because you need glow plugs. They okay, heard just, you say it, Paul. Just please don't do that. I was just joking. Um, okay, no, no, but I like that. I get that. Um, Randy, let's be real, though. When when I when, when guys are calling, talking to me about fuel additive, it's because they want to talk about MPGs. Can yeah. we just can, can we can we shoot this this big old pink elephant in the room? Thirty miles per gallon, <laughs> minimum. Yeah, no, not quite. Uh, yeah, when it comes to um, mileage, uh, to be completely, again, honest and transparent, as we went through this, that wasn't something we were focused on. Um, and as we got to the end, and we, uh, towards the end, I should say, and we started doing uh, in-vehicle testing, it's like, okay, I hope hope we get uh, something. hope we don't go backwards or anything like that. Uh, we shouldn't, you know, in theory. Um, uh, what we've... What we've got in the, I'll say, limited testing that we've done, I mean, we've done a handful. Um, some of them are, have been for pretty long periods, like uh, 62,000, sorry, 6,200 6, rather, and um, 6,500 miles, you know, with and without. That's probably the longest one we've done so far, and we've got wow. more in process. And there's, there's, there's uh, several smaller ones that we've done as well. But the uh, and these are so far have all been with emission equipped trucks. Um, uh, we, we've got some without now in process. Don't have that data back yet. But um, the emission equipped trucks, uh, so they're running traps. Um, we, we've seen over ten percent. I mean, some as high as eleven point five. And uh, so ind- indications are good that uh, the uh, mileage improvement is is real. Uh, yeah, wouldn't uh, you know, put a name to a number yet, but uh, preliminary indications are that it's uh, maybe in the neighborhood of ten percent. Well, I mean that's that's significant. That's what I'm seeing. That's yeah, yeah, hundred percent. So, so I was joking about how like I've never measured fuel mileage. Yeah, I think since I started working here, uh, I've always lived so close to the shop uh, that it just it didn't make sense to care. Uh, but now I actually I pay a little bit of attention. I'm like a 30-minute ride back and forth, yeah. and it's all like two lanes. There's only probably a half-mile stretch that, that the speed limit's even 55, so I usually don't do more than 70, 75 miles an hour on the way to work. <laughs> um, I, I'm just – everybody who knows me knows I actually drive like a grandma. I probably yeah. max out at like 45. Um, but, but anyways, uh, what I have noticed is I was sitting around like 18.5 to 19 – 19.6 are, are kind of my averages of, yeah. of where I was sitting on, on all stock, done nothing to it. Um, and then, yeah, with the additive, um, I was up to like 19.6 to like 20.22, or I'm sorry, 20.2-ish. Yeah. Um, it's kind of right where I was sitting, so I'd say that that's right in line. I would expect it to go up a little more if I would not let my car idle for 20 minutes before I drive it every well, day you now. like a warm vehicle. I, I really it. do. <laughs> I really do. Um yeah, what about you, Chris? What have you seen? Um, you know, I, the the mileage I would say for my car is staying consistent, but it's colder now, so I am letting the car idle yeah. more. Um, 
my, my girlfriend won't even get in the car unless it's warmed up for 15 minutes. Like it, the TDI takes forever to warm up, but, uh, I mileage wise, you know, stayed roughly the same, but I've definitely seen, uh, some improvements when it comes to the cold start. Yeah. The, the cold start, that, that really is no joke. I really have been having really good, um, cause I, I <laughs> probably do definitely do need two glow plugs in there. Um, <laughs> probably definitely, <laughs> but yeah, but, but I've, I've noticed it, it, it's definitely not as harsh. It doesn't have that like really rough knock that my my car usually does, even yeah. in the summer when I first start it. Uh, so it it definitely has been operating smoother at idle and getting up to temp quicker. Um, so that's been really nice. Randy, one of the last things I wanted to hit you on is is winter blend. Um, God, Chris, do you remember that that forty five hundred Kodiak that I w- I drove yeah. for a hot minute? Yeah. Um, the tank on that is directly under the bed and, and completely exposed. So I, I had parked the truck outside back then. I still do. Um, <laughs> left a eighth of a tank. Eighth of a tank. And <laughs> still it still does. 100%, 100% <laughs> true. My car literally is on an eighth of a tank this moment in the parking lot. Um, it's been, it was, it was <laughs> zero degrees last night. <laughs> yeah. Check. Check. Well, I, I wanted to finish the test and I didn't want to fill up before I came in. This is the end of that tank that I ran. <laughs> You're lucky that the thing fuel. started. It took me two weeks to go through a tank of fuel. That's but impressive. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but anyway, anyways, uh, that tank is the only tank I ever had gel up because it, it sat outside through a polar vortex. Yeah. I left an eighth of a tank <laughs> and it, it got to negative 20 with the wind chill. Woke up, truck would go a mile down the road, chug out, stop, yeah. starve itself for fuel. Um, I ran probably way too much diesel 911 which we all know shout out to, to the fact <laughs> that we've all tried it and had varied results um i tried a bunch of different stuff that i found at the gas station right so like does does fuel additive prevent gelling if you have a high quality additive and then the second part of my question is how the hell do i know what's a high quality additive <laughs> Um, yes, uh, an additive that's formulated uh, for gelling uh, should help. Um, the uh, way that our winter blend is, is done uh, should have uh, freeze. So there's two things that can happen. One is water in the tank can freeze. Um, once that freezes, uh, probably about the only way to turn that around is to warm the truck back up. Um, the other thing is that uh, the fuel, will, the, the wax and the fuel, the paraffins will start to uh, clump together the colder they get. And standard diesel fuel, uh, if it's not treated, by treated I mean uh, from the uh, from the refinery. The, dis- the distributors in the wintertime are required to treat it for cold weather, um, and there's really no standard for that. So it, it can kind of vary from station to station, and it's going to vary uh, in, uh, from latitude as well. So from north to south, the distributors are going to treat it different because they're they're basically just looking for it not to gel up in their general area. Um, so that's another thing. But the um, uh, waxes uh, will essentially start to clump together. Um, they're to make a bit of an analogy, the wax uh, compounds themselves are formed of, or, well, they have a physical shape that's something like a a bunch of them are like velcro and when they get when it gets cold enough they start clumping together and so what the additive does is essentially fills in those um fills in the velcro so that they can't clump together and it'll lower the point at which 
the gelling will start uh, once the additive is in there and, and working. Uh, so if you blend it right and with a typical uh, base crude, uh, we're down to about 65 low in terms of uh, when that uh, process will, will start. So that should get you through uh, just about anything, at least in the lower 48 here. That's such a cool analogy. Yeah. I actually get that. Okay, so it's like, I think we've all looked at gelling um, and, and kind of understand that, like, your fuel ends up building up like wax, and, and that's what gelling is, right? Like, that's we just call it gel, but it, it's really it's, it's paraffin wax that's already in there. Um, Correct. But I never thought about, like, how that – how those – particles look like under a microscope and it sounds like that's what you're saying like if you were to zoom in on one of those under a microscope it would look like velcro that has all these sticky pieces that want to connect to each other once it starts getting cold and and the the additive actually kind of smooths that out so that they can't connect to each other i love that i actually get that in my head i understand that yeah yeah it's a rough analogy uh a chemist might uh cringe at that analogy but (laughs) that's uh if you're a chemist uh, and you're like, listening to our show, that's shoot, awesome. Shoot me an email. I want to say thank you. <laughs> I thought that, that was a, a, yeah, a way to try to simplify it and get the, the picture across. But yeah. Nice. I so, I mean, that I was going to ask a question about that, and it pretty much summed that up, but I was going to ask, does the additive potentially, is it counterproductive to the fuel depending on what additive there is, right, for the different anti-gelling? But with the way that this was explained, the additive is going to work with pretty much any of the winter-prepped fuel, depending on where you're located in the country. Yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Right? Correct. Whatever prep they've done to it, this will just make it better. It'll enhance it. I love that. Okay, and then second part of the question, we've all been at the truck stop, we've all been at the the gas station, and you're you're like, man, I know my shit's going to gel up tonight if I don't put something in it. How How do I know what's good? That's tough. Uh, <laughs> based on uh, you know, what we've done in terms of looking at what are in all the different uh, competitors, uh, some are, are great at marketing and they've been doing it for decades. You know, they're in every truck stop. And uh, yeah, when we went to test them in some of these areas, they, they were the worst ones. What? Uh, yeah, so it, it's, it's tough. Um, I, I, I can't see that there's a rule of thumb. Uh, to be able to tell uh, good from bad. Um, you almost have to go on other uh, you know, people's experience, uh, to be honest. I, I, I don't know how else to, to distinguish it. That or find people that have uh, you know, done their homework, that means the, uh, the manufacturer, um, which is t- tough to say, too, because some of them are very big uh, branding companies. Uh, so you could assume, okay, yeah, well, they've been around forever. Must must have done their homework. Uh, but in reality, that those were some of the poorest uh, performing ones that we tested. You know, and I kind of get that because if you really pull back and you think about how technology works, and and so often when we think about technology, I think about the two guys in the room both looking at their cell phones. Um, But but chemistry, I think, has that as well, and that's something that you had kind of alluded to at the top of the show is is when Exergy was, was developing this formula, uh, you guys were, were bringing in elements that were brand new that had never been used before in anybody's additive. But if you think about the, the, the brand that's been out for 30 years or, or whatever, you know, pick a number, how often are they going in and doing the testing and spending three to five years of developing a new formula as opposed to just saying, we already own this market, people already recognize our name, keep buying the stuff we've been selling you for years. Right. 
and and never really you know as a consumer i think you do you got to pull back and you got to step back and you got to think about like what is best for my truck not what is most popular on the shelf right yeah so for starters just so we're on the same page I'm going through the show notes from this <laughs> you know, because my eyes. You know nobody. Be looking that you know far. nobody at no, home would have known if I was telling the truth or not. If you would have yeah. just got up and told me, "What are you talking about? You're crazy, Paul!" Like you, you totally could have played that you off. You are, but so I'm looking at that. <laughs> Thanks, uh, Randy. I I definitely appreciate you coming on the show today. I'm sure there's something that you that I should have asked that that we haven't. Uh, were there any other topics or pointers that you want to kind of cover at this time? Uh, just just a couple. Uh, one, the uh, winter formula is the same formula as our summer blend. It just has additives that address things needed in cold weather. In other words, all the improvements, all the benefits of the summer are in the winter. Um, there's products out there that are formulated just for winter. Um, this is not one of those. Um, just, th- I think that's a, a big thing we want to make sure everybody understands. Um, the next it goes a little bit along with the conversation we just had in regard to uh, some of the branding and marketing. Uh, check out, uh, or if you get time, do the math on what you're actually uh, paying to treat one tank of fuel. Uh, you might be surprised uh, at uh, some of the major brands, um, what they cost to treat a tank of fuel versus uh, and the treat ratio that ours is at. Uh, We've done we've done the comparisons obviously to uh, set the pricing and um, uh, I was shocked I guess that's what I'm trying to say at, at uh, what some additives were getting uh, to treat one tank so another heads up there's a big there's a big difference there I don't understand I buy the bottle I pour it in the tank well there's ratios to I'm how many gallons Paul yes Chris All right <laughs> Jesus sometimes I don't understand you yeah I know. <laughs> I get it. You sound like my wife. Um, okay. Okay. Those are both really good points because I certainly, I certainly was would not plan on on standing in the in the gas station and going, what's the cost per tank? No, like I would how look many, at the bo- the cost of the, the bottle. bottle cost, yeah, cost yeah. right. And like, yeah, sure, I'll buy this one. Like yeah. that. That's that's as far as I would have thought it. That's a good heads up, man. That, well, now that's I'm good consumer advice. I'm thinking about that more in when you look at the cost per tank. And if there's more, right, that you have to add from a competitor or a third party, right? Yeah. How much more filler are you essentially putting in the tank and they're just relying on their marketing and their, their presence in the industry? I, th- I think we're just going to let Bingo. that question hang. I, th- I think we I, – yeah. that's a good question. Randy, hey, man, we appreciate you taking so much time with our listeners today. Who do you want to give a shout-out to? Um. Mainly, I guess, uh, uh, the guys internally here. Um, it's not like we had the whole company working on it, but it did take a lot longer than uh, we thought uh, to bring this to market, and uh, there was a lot of patience uh, that uh, was tried as we uh, tried to get to that point. So uh, thanks to them in regard to the topic uh, today. And then uh, our basically our loyal customers over the years. Uh, you probably can tell we're not uh, – focused on marketing too heavily here at Exergy. We mainly rely on word of mouth and uh, the quality of our product to sell itself. And uh, over the years, uh, the industry has been very good to us and want to say thank you for that. 
That's awesome, man. Randy, I want to say thank you again for for taking your time out and talking with our listeners and educating uh, Chris and I a little bit on this fuel additive yeah. topic. I think we're really excited. Uh, Chris, we already mentioned we've been running the additive now. I think I'm all the way through a tank of fuel. I think you're about halfway, three quarters. Yeah, halfway through. Um, we're going to keep running it, man. Like that, that's what I can tell our listeners, guys, is, is I've tried it. Uh, the results are there. Uh, I think it's a no-brainer. Uh, so if you're looking for it, they can actually, Chris, they can follow up with you yeah. if you want to get yourself been, your hands uh, on some extra G additive. Been starting to, to move through some uh, some cases and some bigger bottles and stuff. So, you know, listeners, if you have any questions, give me an e- send me an email, cmkey at duramaxtuner.com or call over at the shop, 815-568-7920, extension 2121. Awesome. And, Randy, if they want to find out more about you or follow along with extra G performance, how can our listeners get a hold of you? At this time, it's probably best to call direct with any questions you have. Uh, we're going to try to improve our uh, social media presence, uh, also what we have out on the web. Uh, at the moment, though, if you have specific questions, uh, best to call our uh, performance line, uh, 616-551-4330. Excellent. All right, guys, um, like we said, man, that, that's just a lot of information for you. Hey, if you want to learn more, feel free. Reach out to Chris Emke. Chris, how can they get a hold of you so you can talk more about the fuel additives and, and other Exergy products? So my email is uh, cmke at duramaxtuner.com, or they can reach me by phone. That's 815-568-7920, extension 2121. Love that. Uh, guys, today we are going to hear from Jeremy Garnett, our super tech here at Duramax Tuner. Uh, he worked on an LLY on some turbo vein sticking issues, walks through the diagnostics, walks through repair and replacement, some of the common problems. And hey, you know he's also going to have a pro tip for you guys out there. All right, guys, and now it's time for our new segment. Super Tech Jeremy Garnett uh, is going to come on the show as often as we can and talk to us about a truck that he's had in the shop. Jeremy, how the hell are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great, man. Thanks for joining us on the show again. I listened to last week's episode. You sounded awesome, bro. <laughs> yeah, I was second time on. I felt pretty good. Yeah, man, absolutely. I'm, I'm glad to have you back, and I, I think we got a fun one to dig into today. So why don't you tell our listeners what truck are we talking about? Uh, we got a 05 LOI with uh, turbo issues, so... We'll go in and try to figure out what's wrong with it and go from there. The LLY. Uh, guys, you've heard me say some different things about the LLY over the years. They have some factory flaws, right? Like right from the OEM. This age in their life, 15, 16 years old, most of them have some of those basic flaws fixed. Um, the intake horn, the fuel pressure relief valve, mm-hmm. the five-speed transmission, the two-seven injector harness. All these are common things, but... This truck you had mentioned has some miles on it. Yeah, that had all the good stuff on it. <laughs> <laughs> so somebody's already gone through. They've done some upgrades to it. I noticed it also had some WC fab piping in there. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Had hot, hot and cold pipes done to it, intake done to it. So Yeah. Hell yeah. All right. Good job uh, get, getting those WC fab parts on your truck. Um, what was the customer's complaint when he brought the truck in? What uh, were you trying to figure out? Well, truck came in, uh, had engine codes, uh, and the veins weren't moving in the turbocharger. So, try to figure out why the veins weren't moving and what tools we used to actually figure that out, and if it was a bad part or bad charger. Things those, like that. those VVTs, man, there's that can be a real rat's nest of oh, problems yeah. because 
you, you initially, I know from like on the phone diagnostics, I tell mm-hmm. somebody, well, you want to test your solenoid. But but where do you, somebody who actually knows what you're doing, where do you start with this? Um, I actually started with the solenoid. So that's the first thing I did is I started with the solenoid. Um, what we do here, since we have so many, I just you know took the solenoid off, put a new solenoid in, still didn't work. Then what I did is I'm like, okay, let me test the wiring. Let me make sure that it actually has proper voltage. So. Right. Check the voltage on it, and everything checked out fine. Still stuck at, you know, 70%. You know, the veins aren't moving. So, okay, let me try a different vein position sensor, see if that's wrong. Okay, yeah. or the sensor is just not reading properly. That happens, too. <laughs> yep. It's not as common as the solenoid, but it's totally possible. Yep. So, I'm like, okay, well, vein position sensor worked properly, too. So, I was like, okay, well, we have two problems. Not enough oil pressure, or the veins are stuck inside the charger. So... Um, we start pulling the charger apart on the truck as much as we can and then see if we can get the veins to move. And it was still stuck. So at that point, now it's time to remove the charger. Time to come all the way out, yep. baby. All right. All right. So that's a tough one because if I'm driving my truck normally on the road mm-hmm. and, and maybe I'm not really in tune to the sound of the turbo and the sound of veins changing and that's not something that I'm necessarily expecting or looking for, that could be an easy one to overlook. What kind of drivability symptoms would somebody get with stuck veins? Oh, that thing's just going to lag and not, not want to move. And I try to get out of, you know, in fifth gear, it's just going to feel like a piece of dog crap. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. You do, because what you're doing is you're, the veins move the air on the back side of the turbine, mm-hmm. so the turbine side, around the wheel. And, and change the, the aspect ratio of the distance between that wheel and essentially the exhaust housing, which is all going to impact your spool up. Right. So if the veins aren't moving, if they're stuck at 70% or, or, or whatever, at 4%, right. you're wildly limiting the operating range of that turbo, right. which is the whole advantage <laughs> of a variable vein turbo is it right. has a wider operating range. Yeah, you'll have really good down low or really good high <laughs> up high. So That's it. It's one or the other. Yep. Um, okay. Okay. So... So you start to dig into this. You, you you do some of the basic tests. Now, I know from history, every truck that comes in gets a boost test. Yep. When do you boost test this truck? I actually, I boosted this truck before. Let's just make sure that's not the problem or cause the problem. Yeah. Let's make sure it didn't overspin the turbo and make sure that the veins just didn't get stuck because it overspun, you know, or sure. it got stuck or it got too hot, you know. Yeah. So we boost tested it before, realized there was no boost leaks, and then, okay, that now it's time to take it apart. Gotcha. So. Gotcha. Okay. Um, Topside creeper, or do you lift the truck in the air and pull the trans? Uh, Topside creeper on this one. What a pain in the ass. Yeah. Trying to lift a 50-pound charger out of there. <laughs> <laughs> it's also on, on, on well, pretty much all the Duramaxes, but especially before the L5P, it's all the way at the back end of the of the yep. block from, from the top of the engine bay. So, so just getting the creeper close enough up on the truck getting your arms stretched all the way over and all the way down and back in there. And then it's it's a really goofy angle oh, yeah. to bring that thing up and out. <laughs> and you're laying on your belly quite a bit. Yeah. And then and then back in, same pain in the ass because now you got to line up the bolts. Right. And, and you have no guides. You, you know, it's... Right. And then you have to torque them properly, too, when it's in. So just trying to get it torqued. And <laughs> <laughs> Now, I have seen a lot of turbo swaps go with raising the truck in the air, dropping the trans. You have to do that on an LML. On an LML, they yep. have to. Yep. Um, why not do it on an LLY? Why choose to do the topside creep? It's it's just doable. It's okay. just it, I mean, there's there's more room between the firewall and the turbo. Gotcha. Um, you know, an LLY, LBZ compared to an LML. 
Gotcha. Okay. All right. Um, so you guys got this charger out. You took a look at it. You found charger charger had an issue. Yep. Period. Right? Yeah. So new charger back in it? Yep. New charger's back in it. But, well, taking the charger out, of course, you run into problems. You have bolts breaking the manifolds in the back of the charger and oh. stuff like that. So now we're trying to extract bolts or, you know, replace manifolds. That's so yeah, it's, so it's not just a you know easy job. You know, one broken bolt away from a ten-hour job. You know? <laughs> like, That's a good line. Yeah. I like that. You're one broken bolt away from a ten-hour job. Yeah, yeah, because it, it 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 books out as as a pretty simple job. Right, right. Like oh, turbo swap, x amount of hours. We're not going to get into <laughs> specifically what the book says. Right. Um, but it is funny to see what the reality is of of. Sure. If <laughs> if the truck's in perfect condition, you have no other problems. Right. That is how much time it should take. Uh, reality is very often quite far out from there. All right. Well, that that's a that that I like that we have a good common problem that I think a lot of guys run into, and and some pretty obvious diagnosis. Guys, we're not going to walk you through how to swap a turbo right. through a podcast. <laughs> that's not going to be helpful for anyone. But Jeremy, what would be helpful as a pro tip if I am me who, who doesn't know anything and i go out to my truck and i tell you hey i'm gonna go swap out the turbo what's a what's a good piece of advice you'd give me on my way out the door just try to route the wires back the way that they were you know especially with aftermarket parts guys they pinch them they don't write route them properly they get pinched they get hot they burn just route the wires even if you have to use zip ties just zip tie it and make sure everything's secure so you're saying I shouldn't just have, like, an extra three feet of wire under the hood no. running around everywhere dragging? No, just don't run it over top of everything to try to plug in <laughs> it in. Just, you know, take the extra couple of minutes and try to put it the way that it was. Yeah. Yeah, that that's that's hard to beat, man. I mean, every day. I mean, we see it every day. Every day. It is funny. It, it is one of those where, where I know exactly what you mean because you, you'll pop the hood and you just immediately, you can hear a tech groan from across the shop. Yeah. Just, oh, Again, <laughs> you're like, guys. I know. I don't know that this is your problem, but this is a problem for you for sure. Oh, creates problems. <laughs> yeah, yeah, guaranteed. Awesome. Well, Jeremy, I I definitely want to say thank you for joining us on the show. I think this is a really fun segment, uh, guys. We're gonna keep doing this. Give me some feedback, man. Hit us up on Fans of Diesel Performance Podcast. You can tag Jeremy Garnett. I believe he's in the group. Mm-hmm. He's nodding in agreement yes, on a I podcast. Am. Yes, yep. absolutely. All right, man. Uh, tag Jeremy with any questions you have for our super tech. All right, guys, we're back. Um, man, Jeremy's – I like Jeremy as an addition to the show, Chris. What do you think? Jeremy's a really good tech. He's uh, definitely well-decorated. I mean, he's been doing this for a very long time. But he also has an attention to detail. So he's someone that when I have my truck worked on in the shop, I tend to try to request him as a tech to work on mine. I know it's going to be done right. Um, Only if I'm not stuff, available, so has, right? If I'm not available, right, then right, you ask right. for Jeremy. If you're not available, it. it's a different gotcha. story. Okay. Paul, okay. I wouldn't, I wouldn't trust you to wash my wheels. Um, <laughs> but you know, it's it's nice. You know, I get on the phone with guys, and I mean, I have a general knowledge of how to do things. I I've used tools and wrenched on things a little bit in the past, but by no means am I a mechanic. So it's always nice to hear directly from from the text themselves to have that clear understanding and that clear vision of what they have going on. And I I think Jeremy articulates that very, very well. Yeah, man. Absolutely. Uh, Hey, guys, uh, we really appreciate you sticking around, listening to the entire show. Chris and I are going to wrap it up here, and then we're going to kick it over. The end of the show is going to be our top three EFI Live error codes. This is a great knowledge base article. 
just Google knowledge base and DuramaxTuner.com. You'll come right up to it. Or you can visit the website, DuramaxTuner.com, and go to the top on Learn More, and you can get to the knowledge base there. For today, this has been Paul Wilson. And Chris Hemke. Thanks for listening. Hey, guys, uh, I am going to be reading you a a knowledge base article from Duramax Tuner this week, and it's going to be the top three EFI Live error codes that we see. Uh, EFI Live error codes always start with a dollar sign, so we're talking about if you have an AutoCal or a V2 and you're going to flash a truck, uh, and it kicks back a dollar sign error code. So dollar sign 0194, that's right failure. Uh, I'll just tell you right now, this usually means the target file system is full. So if you're programming BBX configuration data, try reformatting the config file system using the drop-down option on the program button. Then you can program the BBX configuration data again. Uh, Basically what happens is the BBX is your black box flashing information that, that the V2 or the AutoCal will need to be able to communicate with those ECMs. Well, in standard operation, we might put gas, diesel, every year of diesel, every EFI Live supported diesel ECM and TCM, and then we may add a bunch of gas ones. So in a a regular small file, a tuning file, we're not going to overload the space on the unit. However, some of the newer trucks require bigger files, and that's when we start to run into these issues, uh, most commonly. So again, 0194 probably just means that the target file system is full. In other words, you have too much already saved on your AutoCal or V2. Um, You can fix that by adjusting your BBX settings. If you need more help with that or anything else with your EFI Live, give us a call here, 815-568-7920. Second most common EFI Live error code that we have found is the dollar sign 0281. Uh, This means no data received or key not in run position. I'll just tell you from five years on the phone, 80% of the time, your key's not in the run position. So usually if you get 0281, what it's telling you is that the AutoCal or V2 is not able to communicate with the ECM. I assume you already have it plugged into the OBD2 port because that's how it powered up, uh, but now it's not able to send any messages. So if you don't have the key in the on position, it won't work. Uh, And so many times we get calls around this. Uh, There are some other potentials um, that could cause this problem. I've run into it when we have aftermarket electronics like a remote start or something like that wired in through the ignition. I've also had it come up on older trucks just if they had like an aftermarket head unit. Uh, So you may want to pop out the aftermarket head unit or any other aftermarket electronics and try to flash again. There are also a handful of fuses under the hood uh, that you can pull if you're looking for more details on that. Again, visit the knowledge base or give us a call over at Duramax Tuner. Uh, Number three most common EFI Live error code is dollar sign 0333 security access denied. Hey, if you've gotten this one, it can be frustrating. Um, You can try a couple of different things. First thing I would do is I would kick over to a pass-through flash if you're flashing with an AutoCal. That's referred to as black box flashing. So if you can kick over, you could use your AutoCal in a pass-through. So you bring out a a PC laptop with EFI Live software installed on it. You go to a pass-through flash. You could use V8 now to do this. Um, And when you're doing that, you'll have the option to assume lock may be faulty and try alt keys. Uh, then tr- retry your operation. So then just try to flash it like that. A lot of times that'll get you around it. There are some older trucks out there that if they've ever been flashed, something happens and they're just never going to release that security access denied. 
Other times it'll mean that like a previous tuner has tuned your truck, even if you don't know about it, uh, and they have locked the ECM. And the only way to get that unlocked is to get the original tuner to tune it. Older used trucks run into this as a headache. Uh, if you have something newer, it's most likely never going to be an issue. Thank you so much for listening, guys. If you want to learn more, please visit the knowledge base over at DuramaxTuner.com. I know all the words you used, Chris, but I don't yeah. know if I have a great handle on what all those things actually are in yeah, the real no, world.